0: Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. in
1: towards Archer! That's a fabulous header! He's the target, he's Oh, brilliant. Magnificent
0: from Danny Imbs. He's going to have to go on his own here, and he's perfectly happy to do this! Sensational goal!
2: That's a big clap, mate. Gather round villains and welcome to another episode of Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by undergaslitlamp.com. It's been another mixed week on the pitch as we catch up on the Derby with Wolves and the FA Cup humiliation at the weekend as Friday Night Lights versus Leeds approaches us really fast. I'm your host, Andy, and today I'm joined by Dan, and it's a warm welcome back to Mark as well.
0: Uh, hi, oh, it's Dan here. Uh, it's good to be back. I seem to pick the worst pods to come back on, though. Like, I miss the glorious victory over Spurs and come back for a humiliating FA Cup exit against League 2 opposition. But but at least I'm on here with Mark, who's who's a lovely face and voice I haven't heard for a few months. How you doing, Mark?
1: Oh, I'm doing all right, guys, you know. I mean, thanks for the warm welcome back. I, we we do chat, for anyone who's listening, we do chat sometimes. Uh, you know, when I get a break in the action, I can talk about the wonderful world of Aston Villa that hasn't been so wonderful over the past couple of games. But, you know, we're going to sit down and talk about it. And, you know, I mean, I don't know, Andy, what do you...
2: What, how do we even start? Like, where where, where do we start here? <laughs> I know, that's it. Well, we, we will start with the Wolves, but I must say, when, when Mark says he... He, we we do chat, we do, and there's nothing better than waking up to a lovely voice note from uh, from <laughs> yeah. Roby in the morning. Um, it's uh, it's 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 something uh, something to behold. Um, I try to keep you guys on your toes. You know, I mean, you got the five-hour <laughs> jump on me on my
1: workday. I'm not happy about that, so I <laughs> got to keep you guys on your toes.
2: <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, long mate, continue, but we will we will start with the Wolves game and. Um, obviously the first thing to mention was the um the the, the wonderful reception that that emmy martinez received before the game um came out with his, his um his uh, world cup glove trophy um which was in you know it was a great great moment for him i think and 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 for us so we could we could welcome him back and you know um give him a proper well done before the uh before the action started and Really, it was a, a difficult first half. Um, waves of attack from Wolves seemingly opening us up. Um, at will, getting down, getting down the sides, and an excellent goal from uh, Pedence to to open the scoring. Um, second half was was obviously better. Um, we uh, there was more attacking intent. Um, Coutinho came on half time, and and Dannyings later on made made a big difference along with some other substitutions as well, but it was a, a an ings goal um that that leveled things up a great ball over the top by by mings and uh, ings got there first and, and poked it past the goalkeeper and then of course there was the the Bailey miss at the end, which we will um we will um talk about later and whether that that was as bad as it seemed but it was the the classic game of two halves um we were all confident last week that, that Wolves would kind of sit in and we'd have to break them down. Um, but do you think Emery was, was caught out a bit here, Um Dan, and what did you make of the response in the second half as well
0: maybe he was caught out a little bit although I don't like the thought of Emery getting caught out I've kind of built my entire perception of him as a man who's meticulously prepared but but under Lopategri, I think Wolves are an unknown entity it's a true new manager bounce going on there but I I certainly didn't expect them to be at our throats from the first minutes but that's exactly what they were doing and I mean, Wolves are on a bad side. They've had a bad season, but there's some good players in there and and podents proved that. I think he's a really classy player and and scored a classy goal. But I wonder if this maybe says more about the squad than it does the manager and whether our players got caught flat footed. And it, it, you certainly get that feeling watching watching the game and, and watching Emory but tear his receding hairline out on the on the touchline as as the players don't do what he asked them to. But I think, as you say, the second half response says to me that, that Emery, whether he got caught cold or the players got caught cold, the good thing to see is that we adjusted and that we changed things around and, and got a point out of it, which I think was fair. I was actually saying to you, Andy, before we came on, it was it's an interesting one because it, it's easy to feel like it's all doom and gloom after the Wolves game. We didn't perform well at home, and but did well to come back and salvage a point, but but if you'd have reversed the, the Spurs and the Wolves results, we'd have actually been on the pod talking about how, how good and how positive things were that we, we came back against Spurs away and got a point and then handily beat Wolves at home. So so it's a funny one how perception can change what you think of a game. And I mean, this is probably two points dropped at home, but but 10 from 15 still a good return from Emory.
1: I mean, that's how I feel about it too. I think it is two points dropped. And it's frustrating and i again i agree with your point dan about like the players maybe weren't doing exactly what they were told to like tactically set up like wolves have good players we know they have good talented players they can be very physical they can be very aggressive and i think that some of the and i'm not going to name any names but i think that it it may have may have put a a little bit of a, a a chink in the armor of some of these some of these players to actually you know highlight like there was a spotlight on some of their their weaknesses more so than their strengths but again they rescued the point can't be upset about that um always going to be a a testy affair between wolves and villa but you know how about danny ing's showing up you know damn near the death and and you know rescued the point i think he's being overlooked by an ollie Watkins that maybe maybe might be a might not be a part of that you know gutting that I was talking about on Twitter, you know, for all the all the people out there still follow me on Twitter, I think this team's gonna get gutted from navel to nose, and I I do believe that you know the, a, a result such as the one at Wolves is kind of the the lexicon that you can look at of why it needs to be that way. I mean, the, the Premier League's physical, and you know, Emery knows that, but at the same point in time, like, does he have the players to be physical enough to to get the get the job done the way he he wants it to be done? And I'm I'm not so sure with some of these players right now.
2: No, and I was going to um, sort of touch on that really in terms of I'm going to name names <laughs> and I'm going, to, I'm, going to <laughs> name, I'm going to name Matty Cash because um, it seemed like a really logical thing to put him in there on the right side of midfield ahead of, <clears throat> in front of Ashley Young to really shore things up on that side. He'd come on, he'd kind of finished the game in that position against Tottenham um, and obviously with McGinn being out um, it seemed like a logical switch really. Um but he looked he looked way off it he looked completely lost mm-hmm. in that first half, and Emery did change that at half time took young off moved cash back and brought Coutinho on and um and it, it, it did help it did help it certainly helped cash he, he was a bit more at home there on in the right back position um but matt cash is a is a player i think who who took a little bit of time to get used to gerard's um system and what he was asking. And once he did, he was he was great and he won Player of the Year and he's been he's been excellent for us. But I wonder if he's just gonna take a little bit of time now to to adjust to Emery's system, particularly this idea of you know, the fact that, you know, only one fullback can go at a time and and all that kind of all that kind of thing. But he, he, he did look he did look way short and I thought we we really missed um we really missed John McGinn against Wolves and that that t- toughness and that guile and 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 um, and kind of um, street smarts, I think that that he has, whether he's whether he's playing well or not. I think he brings that to the team. I don't know what you thought, Dan.
0: Yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree with you on Cash, and I think we can't overlook the fact he was away at the World Cup right, while the rest of the lads were on the training pitch, learning yeah, how Emery wants them to play. Um, but I think you're right about missing McGinn, and I think Mark's spot on about physicality. It, I look at this team, and I looked at it, and we'll come on to to Stevenage soon. But you look at, we've got so many players who who are nice and tidy and technical, but but not particularly direct, not particularly physical. You can't imagine them throwing themselves in. You you don't imagine them busting a gut to break lines to to chase a ball in behind. And, and we look at a very one-dimensional team in the, the profile of player we've got. I'm not necessarily talking about their international standing, but but the way they play the game. And I think that's why so much dependence is put on the likes of McGinn and Ollie Watkins and, and even a misfiring Leon Bailey, because... We don't have many players who are direct and muscular and physical in the way that we expect the Premier League to be. And it would be great if, if we had all these technical players and we were playing the technical style of football, but we're not. We're it's very much a different thing that what we're doing under Emery. And and yeah, and I think you end up in a situation then where, where we don't have enough goal threats or, or direct attacking threats uh, and big moments end up coming to players like Leon Bailey in the dying moments who, who then miss a chance and look heartbroken about it because no one else was there to pick up those pieces. And it, it's a really interesting conundrum we, we're in because as you say, you can change it at half time by bringing on Philip Coutinho, which on paper looks like an incredible substitution, but in reality it's not really changing that much for us. But how about that Leon Bailey miss? Are we are we putting it down as a criminal miss or just a bit of bad luck for the lad?
1: Andy, I'll let you get your chops in first before
2: <laughs> I do it. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, I was right behind this one, um, and obviously he's got a score, hasn't he? He's got to hit the target. Um, but when I lo- watched it back, I didn't. I really, you know, it, it's not. It's not quite the gilt edge chance I thought it was. Um, on the first look, once he's. He's gone around the keeper, you expect him to score, but he's he's pushed it he's pushed it wide. He's totally off balance. He's totally disorientated. Mm-hmm. He's got no idea where he is and he's just poked it in the general direction of the goal and you know yeah, absolutely he sh- he should score. A professional footballer of his quality should be scoring that, but I can also see why he's missed it. Um and yeah, I mean, his reaction afterwards said it all really. He he obviously, you know, he's 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 a serious serious guy, he's a serious player. He, he doesn't want to be associated with 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 missing chances like that. Um, you know, he that would have been that would have been a tremendous moment for the for, for him and the team um to to score that 'cause it you know, it would have been three points where we probably didn't deserve it really. Um but yeah, he's um yeah, he's made a hash of it, to be fair. It's not quite Ronnie Rosenthal though. You know, it's not—it's not quite up there. It's the same end in front of the whole ten, but it wasn't quite—it wasn't quite up there with that one, that that great miss from back in the day. I mean, it wasn't. Now,
1: I was agitated at the fact that I wanted the goal to go in for all the beautiful, amazing things would have happened from the goal. That's why I was upset initially. Now, if it's not too hard to find out that I've always wanted Leon Bailey at Aston Villa, I know he's having a rough time. I know he's not, you know doing all the things that we said he can do. He's starting to look off the pace. He's starting to look like he doesn't want to go in physically for challenges when he should. He looks like he's emptying the gas tank going forward. So, therefore, his gas tank is on empty or near empty trying to get back. This is something that the Premier League is very unforgiving about. It's not going to do well for them. Uh, And here's my chop on the Leon Bailey thing. I've been watching a little bit of the championship, guys, because I got some time in the mornings, right? (laughs) And you know who would have put that chance away? And I'm gonna say it, and I'm, I know I'm gonna get a lot of heat about it. Scott Hogan would have put that <laughs> ball away. And I'm talking about the Scott Hogan that has nine goals for the unnamed crap down the road. Yeah. But I honestly, firmly believe Scott Hogan would have put that ball in the back of the net. He's just, Leon needs support, and I, I, I really think he does need support. But man, I wanted that so bad. I mean, I, I had to explain to a bunch, of, a bunch of people why I just am watching my phone so intently and then fall to my knees. that's a real thing that I had to explain to a room full of people so so, but again he he needs our support I hope he does get better obviously he's an Aston Villa player I'll support anybody that pulls on the shirt but man he's had a rough go of it he's had a couple misses this season and again Dan I know you can agree with me on on the nature of how he goes so forward forward thinking that it seems like there's there's no help for him or, or whatever fullbacks behind him you know
0: yeah, and he, he's been asked to play a slightly different role under Emery, isn't he? He's playing a striker who pulls wide, and I, I'm not sure that's his, exactly his game, but he just looks bereft of confidence. He looks... And, and we saw it against Stevenage, too. There's moments where he suddenly remembers the player he is and he does something magic, but they're just moments at the moment. I don't know if if Gerard just broke his character down to the point that Emery's having to rebuild it, or because of the injuries and the stop-start nature, he's just not... Hit his flow, but he's one of those players, and you get him from time to time who who clearly isn't doing well. But I think every Villa fan has patience with. They want to see him do well. Like another player, we might have lost patience with would be on his back. But I think everyone wants to see Leon do well, and and reactions like his one after that miss will kind of go in his favour too, because fans like to see that. I mean, I saw talk that he he wanted to dedicate a goal to to a friend of his that passed away, and maybe that's why he was upset, but. But just to care that much is is what we like to see, and to be honest with you, I'd like to see a bit more of that passion in in the Stevenage game at the weekend.
2: Yeah, and he is he is like you say, he is playing a slightly different role. I think he's more than capable of doing it, mm-hmm. and I think he's a great finisher. He he has shown this season what a good finisher he is. He can be in the penalty area, and that the goal against Man City in particular, I thought was was just that was just Leon Bailey all over. Um, it's a bit of a shame because I think when Gerard was sacked um, and Danks took the, the the next two games, certainly the Brentford game, he really showed what he was all about. He, you know, and and I came on here and likened him to Tony Daly, You know that that just that out and out skill, trickery, pace, sort of wide man. You know, re- really, really um, attacking and direct and incredibly dangerous. You know he was he was he was superb in that game, um, but yeah, playing up front he doesn't quite get that opportunity so much, and he's running into traffic an awful lot. He's he's kind of been given the ball, and then he just gets what he just watched as because the, cause the fullback doesn't come and come and support him in the same way. In this system, he's kind of just running down a bit of a blind alley, and I just don't know whether. It just feels like a bit of a road to nowhere for him at times. Um, and they need to figure out a way of getting him in, in, in more space, in more dangerous areas, I think.
1: No, I know we don't talk about this a lot, but like, it almost seems like he feels like he has to do it all himself. And I know that that's something that footballers, like, you know, they want to be able to change the game. And maybe he believes so firmly maybe in his abilities that he's putting himself, like you said, he's running himself into a corner almost. He's not thinking about it tactically. And maybe he thinks about it a little bit more. And again, a new role, a new manager, you know, but Leon Bailey's made it pretty obvious. And even before he was at Aston Villa, he doesn't want to play for like a losing, you know, middle of the You know, side. So maybe like he's feeling like, is there such a thing as like maybe the weight of the shirt at Aston Villa that he is getting game time? You know, it's not like he's coming back and forth from being benched, like he's playing regularly. Is there something going on maybe for him that he's just like, Oh did I did I make a a bad you know decision you know about my future as a footballer like this is either a lot harder than I thought or not with the change of managers I wanted to play for someone that had the prestige of Steven Gerrard now I have Unai Emery that's coming in the door who's not afraid to put his foot up my behind and tell me you know how how he wants it to be so like may, maybe we're seeing a little bit of that but again like like Dan said you know the fans do enjoy seeing people get busted up over missing things and I don't think that was pantomime I think that was true I think that's that was an honest emotional reaction from the man so maybe you know it's just a thing of just you know more support and maybe he does find his feet under Emery. but man it's you know I, I don't think that you know Emery's is the type of man to wait around and have that kind of a patience if, if he has a if he has a thought of how he wants to do things he, he will he will go splash whatever amount of money he needs to um, to bring it in. And, I, you know, I, I think he will get the backing from it. But, you know, ba- Bailey's going to have to really dig in. And, you know, he, he, it's just, it, it's tough, man. It's tough seeing people break him down on social media and stuff because at the end of the day, he's human. But, you know, at the end of the day, Aston Villa need results too, baby.
0: <laughs> I think he's also struggling because there's no one else in the team who can create. It, we're almost back to the days of of Grealish where you know where the creativity is coming from. There's no one else. I mean, Buendia's misfiring, Coutinho's misfiring. McGinn's dogged but he's not creating and and you kind of know there's only one one route to go almost there so I think we're in a situation where we we lack wide options how we've got to the situation where we've got one winger at the club is beyond me but we really need some firepower in if not to take the minutes away from Bailey to give teams something else to think about on the pitch because right now we're not stop Bailey, stop Villa, but he's our main weapon. And if you if you stop him, the creativity disappears a little bit. So I think he's a player who, who hasn't benefited from the World Cup, came at a terrible time for him when he was just hitting form. But he's a player who I think will benefit from the transfer window if we get a Adelafeu or, or someone else in on the other flank, just to take the focus away from him a little bit. And I think a little bit of, of relaxation is what he needs. Someone else to, to take the limelight so he can just... Chip him with a few goals and start rebuilding this game again.
2: Yeah, I think um, it, you know it could be telling over the next few weeks what happens, but certainly, uh, yeah, like you say, you know, I actually think it is. Now you say it, it is a bit like the Grealish the, the greelish scenario, isn't it? Where you know he's he he is the main the main danger man. You know, um, yeah, I, th- I mean, the two strikers, in fairness, have have, have done okay for numbers. Since Emery came in, or since Gerrard was sacked, at least um, Watkins and Ings, but they don't really play together in this system. It, it, I don't think it would. I don't think I'd like to see them as a as a front two in this system. Um, so it means, yeah, ba- Bailey has to kind of take on that role, and I think he just gets a bit, a little bit caught, you know, at times. But yeah, the other players aren't really. Holding their end of the bargain, Buendir certainly struggling, and and um, and Coutinho just—I just don't see him him ever getting back to the, the 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 player, even the player that we saw, sort of this time last year, really. So, um, really, really tricky, really tricky. Um, but should we do it? Should we? should we move on to Stevenage? Do we have to? <laughs> yeah, do we, do we have ho,
1: ho, ho, Let me go get a beer, hold on.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was, um, it was obviously a game we expected to win. We were, um, we were in the concourse um, before the game, watching the draw, um, delighting at the fact that we, we, we got a fairly easy draw away, draw to Stoke in the, in the fourth round, um, forgetting the fact that we, we did have to actually beat Stevenage. Um uh, which which wasn't great. There were there were eight eight changes made again by by um, Emery for this for a cup game. Olsen came in in goal. Chambers and Bednarek at the back with um at left back. Dendonka came into the midfield, and there was a, of course a rare start for Morgan Sanson. Um, and Danny Ings came in up front to replace uh, Watkins. Um, Villa dominated. The possession, but struggled really to break through the Stevenage block. I think Stevenage set up really well. You know, at times they stuck to their their task, and of course Sanson did manage to get through. A lovely little move involving Ings um, on thirty-three minutes, and he he stuck it away really nicely. Um, but it it was all going well until the um, until it wasn't in the eighty-eighth minute and a penalty. Um, Converted by Jamie Reid after a foul by Dendonka and subsequent red card, followed by the winner in injury time as the Villa defence fell apart once again and Dean Campbell caught out Al Olsen at his near post. Um, as Villa collapses go, Dan, where does this rate and how do you account for what we were forced to witness on Sunday afternoon?
0: I don't know how I feel about this one. I. I, I... I am trying to be more positive Andy. I'm trying to be more positive under Emery. I'm trying to be a glass half full kind of a man. And I almost don't mind this defeat which is ridiculous to say when we lose at home to to opposition a few divisions below us. But we were so in control of this match. I'd almost I was watching it on the BBC and I'd almost gone off to start making my tea because I thought we were that in control. The the defeat feels like a bizarre, funny five minutes, an individual error from from Dendonker and then another one from Olson. Well, actually, another one from half the team for their second goal. That I can almost forgive the defeat because it's not like we were outplayed for 90 minutes and we were that in control. And yet I also look at the game as as a a moment for a lot of the squad players in that team that they've shown that they're not good enough to play for this club again. And I think that and, and so the positive side of me is, is it's an anomaly. We won't play that badly. Again, it was a funny five minutes. But the, the regular self-doubt and self-loathing Villa fan that I am is making me look at playing Philip Coutinho against Stevenage and watching him balloon shots off for throw-ons <laughs> and, and watching Leon Bailey forget how to control a ball and, and watching Dendonka just lazily stroll about in the 88th minute when the ball gets played to him and then tug at a man's shirt in the most obvious foul I've seen in a long, long time and and just question what these players were doing. And I think it's, I don't know, maybe it's a case that it was so easy for us, we were in such control that we fell asleep, but that's damning on the players. Maybe it's just the magic of the FA Cup, I don't know. But but however we look at it, um, I'm trying to... Trying to not be disappointed is what I'm saying. Deep down, I'm hurting, but on the surface, I'm trying to say it was a mistake for Dendonka and and then Olson should never play for Villa again. All I'm thankful for really is that Craig is not on with us this week because I think Craig would have a lot more choice words than I have.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to get as deeper as you know as, as Craig might have, but um, yeah, to to me, I've, the results the result it is what it is, but like. Me being an over-analytical sports fan, I kind of want to dive into the stats a little bit. So, I mean, for the entire Premier League season right now, Aston Villa is averaging 336.4 accurate passes per match. Does anybody want to take a venture of how much, how many passes did Aston Villa actually put on against Stevenage? Anybody?
0: I'm going higher than that. Yeah. Let's play higher or low higher. Definitely higher.
2: Higher, yeah. I did hear that Douglas Louise did something like had something like 150 touches by himself. Um,
1: yeah, so Villa passed the ball against Stevenage 647 <laughs> times. They were confused by Stevenage. Yeah, <laughs> that that's what happened. There's no, there's like that's no, not a tactical thing. It's not a they wanted it more thing. It's a they set up, Villa set up, and Villa went. I don't know what the hell to do about that. <laughs> and that's what happened. And yes, the 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 Den Donker, you know thing like yeah I, i'm I'm still just so irritated guys i'm just so irritated about this result but that's the big the one that like sticks out to me is the accurate passes so they're just like you, if you're playing a team like stevenich even though that they are a little you know a couple you know leagues down and it is an embarrassing result at the end of the day but you're not man city playing stevenich you don't have to just because you're like you know, you feel, or it's you know, represented as you're the superior team going into a tie such as this. That doesn't mean that you can play that kind of way. And Villa's done it time and time and time and time again through FA Cup exits, it, through multiple managers. I don't know what it is with this team. Like this felt like the Burton Albion loss, like all over again mm. from from years years ago. That's what it felt like, and I I just I don't. Like, are we ever going to see the next round of the FA Cup again? Like, <laughs> no. there's there's memes all over social media about it. Like, like like Patty Powers, like social media guys have jumped on us. Like, it's 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 ridiculous. And I, I don't I don't know. Like, Andy, like did did you think that I'd I, like see, again? Philip Coutinho, like the guy, like whoever was marking him, God bless him, because he <laughs> he, he just like he's going to tell that story until the day he's dead mm-hmm. about how he completely marked Philip Coutinho out of a game with no. With just like it was an average day for him, he's probably hanging up drywall right now, somewhere in Stevenage. <laughs>
0: That's
1: probably what that guy's doing. And he's telling his friend while smoking a big long cigarette, "This is the, the this was my hey. What did you do this week? Oh, I pulled Felipe Coutinho out of my back pocket. Like, <laughs> come on, yeah,
2: like, yeah. come on." Now, I think I think you're right. It's an interesting way of looking at it, actually. And I think I was watching the game, and um, I was I was sat next to my good friend James, who's who's listening. Hopefully, um, and he, uh, you know, and I was saying, this this style of this pattern of play isn't just not going to work. They're not; they might be lucky and get through. Stevenage might make a mistake, or someone might crack one into the top corner from from twenty yards. But you know, it was there was one point in the second half where I think they must have passed the ball, yeah, you know, around forty five times, back and forth across across the penalty area to to either side back and forth back and forth not making any inroads whatsoever while Stevenage just sat in their shape and watched them do it you know and they it's almost like they were they were running rings around themselves at times it was it was it was quite painful to watch it didn't show any kind of any kind of plan or any kind of um you know intent or any kind of any kind of football now, really? It was just, it was just passing for the sake of passing, because we can, we can keep the ball. We're we're, we're better than them, um, and eventually they'll do something silly and we'll score. Well, what happened was Villa did something silly, um, you know, and that's the thing. Steven's game plan was was absolutely perfect. There were times in the in the second half, even they were one nil down. They weren't rushing. They were taking their time over goal kicks and throw-ins and stuff like that. They were just content in the fact they were one-nil down. They were still in the game. They just needed one opportunity, you know, and they and they got two late on. And there was no there's no coming back from it. Um, and I just thought, you know, you've got it. You've got to say fair play to them. But but Aston Villa shouldn't have been in that position. You know, they've got players there that are more than capable of 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 getting through a you know the Stevenage block and um you know and scoring more than one goal they did it once and then they just stopped stopped doing whatever they were doing and it was just incredibly incredibly embarrassing i think i think it's a, I think it's really embarrassing for the for the club and 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 for those players that played all of them
1: yeah what did uh, Ashley Ashley pre say that you um, know emery was visibly like extremely peed off you know yeah. <laughs> like afterwards and I don't I don't blame him man like that's embarrassing like think of some of the sides that Unai Emery is you know like think just for, for a second it, it's worth thinking about like the the different sides the talent level um even when he was going through the whole is at Arsenal you know some of the stuff at Villarreal even creeping in the European competition like the, he there has to be a piece of him that again and this this is just my opinion that there's going to be like a clear out that people aren't expecting but like I think that like he's got to be sitting there like You know, even in a short time, he's got to be sitting there thinking like, these guys aren't going to do what I need them to do. And, you know, and I think that's why you're starting to get these. And I, I see it. It's like every single rumor now, of whatever player we're looking at, it's always like, well, Emery likes them. But it doesn't have like any explanation other than that. It just says Emery likes him. Well, I mean, like, you know, I like Jessica Rabbit. It doesn't mean that I've got a six foot two <laughs> redhead, you know. Like but like it's an easy thing to say that he wants a player, but I want to know the why of he the why if he wants a player. Like I want I want to know like what exactly I, I can't I hope and pray that there's a day that we can look at a completed team from Muni Emory and say, okay, now I get what the guy was going after. And even if we're squeaking wins here and there, draws, I'm not asking us to shoot up the table, but at least the consistency and to seem like the players are buying into it and it, that's what it seems happened against Stevenage players are not buying into it they thought they were Aston Villa football club we're going to show up they're going to do something stupid just like Andy said and we're going to walk away with the result on to the next one and that that whole air of arrogance quite frankly like it's i i see it like players play arrogant to, to me sometimes and you can and, and it's it's obvious and you know i just i hope you know the future is we have a a Really, really, really talented manager. And I hope that there's not prima donna players or players that don't want to fight for the badge that screw that up. That's my biggest fear.
0: I think Emery's post-match was fantastic. It was, it was one, the one good thing to come out of this defeat is he stared down the barrel of the camera and he owned up to the mistakes. He yep. he, he called the players out, not in the Gerald throw him under the bus. He he talked that it was embarrassing. He talked about that it was unacceptable. and. And I think he he did a really good job of managing that post game. And I think again, I'm trying to be positive. The, the team had done their job for 88 minutes. It was it was somewhat of a professional performance, even though we should have put two or three past them. But I think it will tell Emery a lot about these players. And I think you look at that lineup. There's not many of those players that I particularly want to see at the club at the end of the season. And I think it. It screams more that under the last two managers, our recruitment has been downright awful the more we look at it. There's not really any signings that have come in, maybe Kamara aside, that have worked out for us. And you you look at it on the pitch there, you've got Sanson, who's a neat and tidy footballer that hasn't done much. Coutinho is a neat and tidy footballer that hasn't done much. It's Dendonka, an odd kind of sideways move, solid squad player, but not that much. Olson, Bednarek, Augustinson, these aren't players that are, have done anything for us. And recruitment's failed somewhere along the line there, whether it's a manager's choice or whether it's the statistics or whatever it is. So, so I'm almost on board for Emery likes them being our transfer policy from now on. Like, judging by what we've had so far, he probably knows more than than what we've done over the last three years.
2: Yeah, I think I, I was I was going through that from the, the sort of last three windows, you know, who are the players, who are the signings that we can honestly say have worked out, you know. Um and I came up with I came up with Ashley Young and um and Kamara, like you say. But it's early days for Kamara still and yeah. he could be gone at the end of the season, you know, because he's a he, he is a he is a big talent and he could easily get picked up at the end of the season. Um but I mean, you know, that that initial window after Grealish left, you know, when Bailey Ings, they've all flattered to deceive, Coutinho Dina, and like you say, I mean Chambers hasn't really been had a chance, has he? And and then you know the guys in the summer, obviously Diego Carlos, we you know we we'll wait and see about him. Will he get back to the the levels he was at before he signed? You know, we just don't know because of the nature of the injury. So it's been a really it's been a really bad sort of 18 months um, transfer wise, I think, for for Villa. Um but it's this thing again where all the signings were reasonable signings. No 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 none of those really. It's certainly the big signings, no one's looking at that going, Oh, I don't know about that. We were happy at the time, you know, we were pleased to be signing these players. They're they're guys that have done well before. So why is it why do they come to Villa? You know, and I think this is. I mean, I you know, I think this goes back to, (laughs) you know, to the late eighties when I started watching Villa. But why do we sign play these players, big name players particularly, and they just don't they get to Villa and they they just can't can't remember how to pass and trap a football. Why is that? It's a good question. I think
0: Mark's point about uh, these players. looking overconfident, almost looking cocky is what happens is that Villa's a comfort zone these days. I think you come to Villa, you're not, the expectations are relatively low as a player, right? You're kind of, you're not really relegation battle. You're not really pushing the upper echelons. And and we've not had a coach who pushes them for a while. I love Dino, but he wasn't exactly pushing the players hard. Gerrard, I think the players tuned out pretty quickly. So I think players have come for an easy ride to Villa and you can see that in the Stevenage performance and that's got to change and that culture's got to change. And I think we've got the right man in to do it. I don't think Uvno Emery lets hangers on be at his club. And I think, I mean, we're going to come on to transfers, but I think we're going to see that. I don't think there's a single player at that club who's irreplaceable now. I think they're all playing for their futures in a way that they probably weren't under Gerard So, um And I think it's not about ability anymore. It's not about, we've tried ability. We've tried buying fifth most expensive player in the world and a top French left-back and ready-made players. And it turns out the problem's not been ability all along. It's been application. And and I'm actually quite excited to go back to a world in which we sign unknown players who who work themselves into the ground for the badge and, and go from there. Almost go back to basics again with recruitment rather than trying to skip 10 steps ahead with this fantasy football big reputation nonsense. Go back to buying professionals who can do the job that's asked of them. Yeah.
2: I'm, not, I'm not even, sorry to cut in, I'm I'm not even uh, bothered about them playing for the badge. I Just play for yourself. Play for some yeah, professional, yeah, your own professional pride and your own career. You know, that's all I'm asking for. No
1: no, Sorry, did. no, no, no. That's that's a good point. I you know, I was I was pretty much just about to say that is like I it's it is strange and I, I don't even know how to diagnose something like that to where it seems players, you know, come here and then you know, maybe it is a bit of an easy ride. I don't I don't know, I don't want to say that about the my own football club that I support because you know the supporters they, they care so much and I've I've seen it over the years in so many multitude different ways whether it's you know the passion for the game their generosity things like that like I know that Aston Villa supporters are you know a, a, a good bunch at their core and everything like that but like is it I mean can, any, can either of you guys name your favorite player on the squad right now?
0: Yeah there's not really you know, like, anyone I mean Ramsey because he's homegrown is about all life, yeah yeah
1: because he, he's supposed to be like the next one you know like he was the one that we saw and everyone saw it's was like yeah he's gonna he'll stick the villain he's a, you know, his local lad and you know, all that kind of stuff but like it's it's hard watching these players and like I I'm not cheering anybody on almost like it's almost like one of those things that we're like well if you're not going to give me you know the th- not me personally but like if you're not if you're not gonna do what I I, I feel you can do physically and I don't even need to be entertaining you know, win one nil, but at least like act like you give a shit to to to, one, you yeah. know, to win one nil. Um, it, it's it's just really tough. I have no answer for it at all, man. But I, I'm just hoping, like like Dan said, like if we can find some players, like I don't need it blown up in headlights on the BBC of like, oh Villa after 95 million rated, you know, Brazilian winger from the second tier of Brazil that has a that release clause because he's supposed to be the next whatever. I don't need that. Like, I don't need that at all. I want some some decent age, 23- to 27-year-old signings that are that have maybe a little bit of a mean streak, that are competitive, and that aren't afraid to call out their teammates. Maybe not publicly, but it seems like these guys just like, oh, we show up, we go on the pitch, we come off, and everything's fine, you know? And it's like, I, I want Aston Villa to be a little bit more than that. I want you know people to, like, be held accountable for what they're doing. And it does seem that I Emery's starting to do that, like Dan said, at the the. Press or the post-match comments. I just don't think he's going to take anybody's crap, and you know, it's, I, I just hope that him having that, you know, that him instilling that into this team and into this club. I hope that doesn't make the players turn on him, and then he's it's easier to replace one than it is you know to replace twenty five at the end of the day.
0: Andy, you you go every week, so you're you're the man who can probably answer this. Is is there? I know we talked about it a lot before Dean Smith came in and disconnect between fans and players. Do you feel like that's coming back a little bit? I know Regan's been telling us he's writing a piece about the atmosphere at Villa Park, and and it's hard for me to tell when I'm watching on TV, but it, it, are we back to that point? Because obviously the Gerrard era was such a divisive era, and I think it pushed fans away a little bit. Are we back almost to that time when when the disconnect's there again, or do you think fans are still fully behind and the players just aren't delivering?
2: Well, I think, I think the disconnect, um, really, apart from a... 2 or 3 year period while Dean Smith was manager the the disconnect has been there for 20 years you know mm. i th- i think i don't think it's i don't think it's ever been it's ever really on a regular basis a really fervent passionate crowd i don't think it's ever been like that certainly not in my lifetime there's been occasions where it has been um, and things obviously do lift, and you do think about though, you know, that the ten game winning run and the promotion season, and and that kind of thing, and then, you know, it spilled over into the next season, obviously when we were promoted and back in the Premier League. But generally speaking, my experience of Villa Park is that it's there's one stand that makes all the noise, and the rest, and I think the the opposite side as well in the lower the lower North Stand, that's that's pretty um pretty feisty in there as well. But the rest of the grounds, you know, pretty cut much sort of watch the match and entertain me, please, kind of attitude, really. And um, you know the, the, there is that kind of feeling. I think ever since, probably ever since Grealish left, more than Dean Smith, but you know where um, perhaps it, it has gone back to normal, really, in terms of you know it is that kind of quite a little bit flat atmosphere you know a lot of the um a lot of the, the the chants are the same a lot of the the atmosphere is the same it's the same kind of pattern all through the game um and then of course you know a quarter of the fans leave at on eighty minutes and the ground starts emptying and that really affects the atmosphere as well because that's that takes a lot of the a lot of the edge out of the out of the atmosphere so um there's a lot of issues there, and but I don't, I can't honestly say that it's ever been any different, other than a few, a few periods of time where, where things have got a lot better, and of course there have been plenty of times where it's been a hell of a lot worse. You know, uh, I can remember um, a game that sticks in my mind is was the Sheffield United three all game um, in the championship, and that was before we went on the run, when we were doing pretty bad. We were in the bottom half of the table we were 3-0 down to Sheffield United at home and there were people fighting in the stands. You know, it was, you know, people leaving like really early because we were we were getting absolutely battered. And we obviously came back and and got the draw, which was miraculous. But, um, you know, that was really toxic. That was really toxic. And that was when Dean Smith was there as well. So, you know, there have been times very recently where it's been an awful lot worse. The one thing I would say is, there's never been so much demand for tickets, um, season tickets and so on. When I bought my season ticket in the first year in the championship, I walked into the ticket office and asked for a season ticket. And they said, sure, where would you like to sit? You know, <laughs> now, you know, there's, what, a five, six-year waiting list potentially. You know, it's 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 incredible, really. So it swings and roundabouts, um, you know, I know a lot of people are a bit disappointed about the the atmosphere at the moment but for me this is how Villa is and and that's that's my take on it really
0: I think it's fair like, sorry, Mark. I'm just jumping out. I think it's fair. I mean, the thing I'd say that would solve it would be to win more. And and for the last twenty years, I can't remember apart from that ten game winning one, we've won more than we've lost. And I mean, that's the, that's the magic formula. If we're to improve the atmosphere, let's try and win a few more games. But but given that it's been a lifetime since that happened, maybe it's easier said than done.
1: As far as uh, Andy talking about the ticketing thing, anyone who's listening, and especially anybody that's overseas, that's not based in England or the UK. Um, there are a very, very large influx of scammers going right now for tickets that are targeting kind of like U.S. and uh, North American and other places of the world's Lions clubs. So please be careful if you are from you know somewhere that's outside of England. Please either contact myself or someone else who's actually a Lions Club member. I don't want to see anybody take that trip and spend all that money get over there. And then I've, you know, then, you know, you're either not able to see the game or, you know, time constraints, things like that. But I just just cause you brought it up, Andy, and you're right. Tickets are in demand. I have people that I've never met in my life claiming that they had a beer with me four years ago when we were playing Darby Away <laughs> that I can't remember for the life of me. <laughs> <laughs> that i'm like well you're i don't i don't know if i'm gonna put my name out there for you buddy no but but seriously like make, make sure you're not getting scammed do this do the right thing do the smart thing if you are you know coming from outside of the country to villa park make sure you do the right thing nobody's no one's selling you tickets for for 145 dollars it's not a thing don't do so just don't do
2: it yeah no on that it's about time uh you made your pilgrimage mark over to uh <sighs> you, you ain't day. kidding
1: man I, i'm sitting i'm sitting on that voucher like it's like like i feel like you know like duck McScrooge sitting on a thing of money like just sitting there i'm looking at it like man as like soon as i but yeah, you know day. like with with the new job with the new job i do get I, I do get a full you know i think it's a week and a half paid vacation so ooh,
0: that's plenty of time to come over for a couple that's of right. games yeah mm-hmm. it's plenty of time Andy knows how to host people at Villa Park, so I'm sure he'd show you a good time. <laughs> yeah, as well.
1: that's what yeah, I hear. So, yeah, it's def- definitely in the works. though. it's it's still just with the the new gig, man. It's just, oh, I mean, I just yeah. I miss being a kid, guys. But okay, yeah, let's, let's,
2: let's let's get on to the transfer activity here. Absolutely, transfer activity, and there's something very shortly in the pipeline. Possibly by the time this um, podcast goes out, um, Alex Moreno will have signed um, from Real Betis in the liga the twenty nine year old left back is is due in birmingham in the next day or so to complete the move um looks like twelve million plus add-ons um for uh, for the left back um interesting move given obviously Luca Dean currently occupies that position we only signed him was it twelve months ago for about was it twenty five million um but the, there is the need obviously for squad depth and with Augustinson looking like he's, he's going to miss, um, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know how long, but it looks like a, quite, quite a bad injury uh, from Sunday, um, that squad depth is needed. Um, what do we know about Moreno and, and, and how do you see him making his impact and, and is he a squad player or do you think he might replace Dina? Uh,
0: I, I don't know much about him to be completely honest with you Andy I, I've been diving in to do a bit of research because I knew I was on the pod and there's not even a ton of scouting reports out there from him so maybe we're getting the player that we talked about it's instead of buying a big name we're, we're buying someone who can do a job what I did do is I, I kind of dove into his stats a little bit and, and, and looking on a couple of websites the, the closest statistical analysis I could find for another fullback was Matty Cash he seems to be most likened to Matty Cash on the other side so we can we can maybe look at the kind of player we're getting there, but by all accounts, he, he's a different profile left back to Luca Dean. He's uh, he's direct. He runs with the ball. He's got a bit of pace and a bit of physicality about him. He's an attacking fullback rather than a defensive one, and he's played a lot of left wing too. So they also apparently only just missed out on the, the Spain squad for the World Cup at the last minute to, to Barcelona's Balde, who I think went. So he, he's got. He's got kind of credentials there, and and at 29 he's experienced, although apparently still runs around like a spring chicken, so we shouldn't be worried about the age. As for, I think he's he's coming in as squad depth initially, but I really wouldn't be surprised to see him as a replacement for Luca Dean. I think we need, as I say, we need more physicality in the squad, and and I think Luca Dean's best asset is his crossing, which you don't really need when you're pinging it into. Tiny Leon Bailey and and Ollie Watkins. So so a different calibre of left back could work really well for us. Um ultimately competition for place is good. It's something you always say, Andy, it's not not just eleven players anymore. You need squad depth. And I think Luca Dean could certainly be pushed for his place, but I wouldn't be too surprised to see the two of them start together either. I mean Moreno's played a lot of left wing by the looks of things and and we know that, that Uno Emery isn't isn't afraid to play a back six sometimes, as we saw against Spurs. So so I think we we'll see plenty of opportunities for him to play left wing as well. But you know it, it's hard to get excited about a player you know nothing about but almost I think that's what excites me about him he's an unknown quantity he's a bit of a Tony Moon in my eyes you know <laughs> he's that that unknown left back who's gonna come in let's just hope he's slightly better I, I, oh, God.
1: I, for what what the reported price is for Moreno I'm hoping he's better <laughs> than Tony Moon <laughs> uh, no you can you can tell who the football manager players are on the podcast because I did the same thing then <laughs> yeah. I, I went and seemed like I don't know much about this guy. I'm not going to lie. I think I might have signed him three years ago on FIFA. Maybe. <laughs> I think I was maybe looking for a left, you know, just needed one. Um, but, yeah, his metrics are really, really close to Matty Cash's. And I don't, I'm not sold that maybe he, I don't know if he's a replacement for, you know, don't call me Lucas, Luca Dean. But I'm <laughs> I'm sure that it could work in tandem. Like if he plays like a left mid or something like that and Dean's behind him. I don't know. I I, I just think that. If if Unai Emery's looking at a player, especially from a league that he used to, you know, be a, a big part of, and he's saying, hey, we need this player. I don't I, I don't need to know the reason. You know, me personally as a fan, I I need to just know what what do you want. And I don't know if that's it's going to be as easy as that for him. But like if if it's true that you know he identified, hey, this is what we need. I completely trust the guy, especially coming from that league he used to play in. But um, yeah, I I don't I don't see a lot in Luca Dean that makes me go wow. I, I don't know that's just it's just me like I think he does get up and down the field pretty well um, I, I think he puts in somewhat decent challenges I think sometimes he he lets his head go a little bit um, he gets a little too Freddie Gilbert for me <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that that was just Andy he knew about that but um no like I I, I do think Luka Dean's a wonderful footballer obviously French international but um it's it's not it's not a bad thing to you know bring in players to push other people into a maybe higher echelon of of uh you know soccer and that's that's just that's how it's going to go one way or the other with with Emery I, I think that again you're hearing a lot of the well Emery likes him, Emery likes them and yeah maybe they're not such well-known players but you know I, I trust the process like we've got to get over this this post-mortem you know Jackie Grealish thing to where there's like not a lot to be excited about and you know if anyone's going to get us excited let's let, let's let it be Unai Emery I'm, I'm okay with that
2: yeah it's it's one of those signings i think that we've been saying what why don't we get these players you know when you know why why do, why do brighton bring these players over why do you know brentford bring these players over probably probably a different age profile to this guy but um it's one of those where you know it's exciting because we don't really know much about him but we know, but we know he's 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 playing at a high level and uh, and you know that's probably the difference with those that that clutch of players we bought under Lambert. and you mentioned Antonio Luna, that just wasn't up to the level whatsoever. And you know this this is a guy that is is you know like you say close to the the Spain squad, and he's been identified by by a manager that that would would probably have taken him to Villarreal as well had he stayed there. So you know it's it, it's um it's an interesting one from that point of view. Um, I'm I'm open to anything now. It feels like um, we're going into an era where the name on the back of the shirt m- matters little. It's about what that player brings to the system, to the to the to the shape, and to the the, the goal that the the manager's setting for each game. And I think um, some weeks that might be Luca Dean. Some weeks that'll be Moreno, and the same with 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 several other po- other positions, hopefully, so that's what I want to see from villa. I don't really want to it it shouldn't matter who's who's playing the you know it should be about the game plan it should be about the the you know the tactical aspect of of what we're trying to do sometimes it'll work and sometimes it won't but that's that's how I want it to be now because I think that's the way forward I think that's the way. The way you crack into the top eight and the top six is is by is by doing that you're not villa aren't going to do it by outspending the the top six it's just never going to happen and if they if they if they if they think they can continue down that route you've got to get in there first you've got to establish yourself and then you compete financially um but we ain't going to do it um like that we're not going to go from from fourteenth to sixth by spending. Unfortunately. So this is why I'm I'm pretty pleased with this. It's still a, a reasonable fee, isn't it? And you know, um for a twenty nine year old and yeah, hopefully the deal goes through and we may even see him on Friday, you never know. Um against against Leeds. Um but there's been there's been some other speculation as well. Um obviously um Emory has said made it quite clear he wants a wide attacker uh, or a winger. Um He's been linked with with from Udinese, um, ex of Watford and Everton. Ishmael Asar has cropped up again, who we we were very close to signing in the summer. Um, there was a a weird sort of social media campaign that suggested that Harry Maguire might be on his way to to, to Villa, but that, that seems to have now been debunked as as, as nonsense. And um, Villa re- reportedly still hold an interest in US midfielder Weston McKinney from, from Juventus, which I'm sure would, would, would please certainly one member of this uh, podcast um, team. Bring them home. If, if, that, if, that, yeah. came, if that came off. Um, slightly more surprising, Matty Cash has been linked with Chelsea. Um, and also a couple of outgoings. Archer has, has, has made the loan move to Middlesbrough. And Tyrek Wright um, finished his, uh, his loan move to Bradford before... Securing a permanent move to Plymouth, which I think is brilliant. I I really like Plymouth. I hope they go up, play some great football. Um, but the talk is that Moreno could be Moreno could be um, the first of three possibly um, in this window. So, given the relatively small sample size of matches so far, where in the team do you think are the priorities for Emery? And 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 could we lose a couple of big names as well in this window, Dan?
0: I think the Delafeu link is the one that seems to not be going away anytime soon. It seems the most likely one, mainly because it's it's a player that I think Emery's worked with before. He knows quite well. Played some of his best football under Emery too. So. And, and is playing some good football for Utenesi this year as well. So that one to me seems like a really logical move if, if we're saying that, that the new transfer policy seems to be if Unai likes them, Unai gets them. So And I think he'd be a good signing for us too. He's, he's not exactly going to set the world on fire, but he's an experienced player who knows how to play under Unai Emery, Emery which is what we want. And I wouldn't be surprised to see us buy a second wide player as well. As I say, we're so, so lacking in options out wide. There's no one, there's no one to take the weight off of Bailey. There's no one to, to change a game in a wide position. So, so a wide player comes striker makes a lot of sense. And and that's where Saar makes sense for me as well. He's, his contract's expiring. So you imagine you can get him on the cheap and it'd be a bit of a free swing in terms of a signing at this point to me, but but those are the positions. It's a it's another winger, and then a winger slash striker for me is what we need. And, and to be honest with you, I'd like to see a lot more players come through the door, but we know January's not the time to do that. And I think what we're probably going to see is is some fine-tuning this month and then the rest of the players auditioning for their part next year, I think, and 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 kind of playing for the because I think Emery might, might swing his side in the summer and change his team about the, the Western McKinney, uh, Mark's not the only person who'd like to bring him. I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I just can't see us going for another midfielder. That's one place we seem to be ludicrously stocked at the moment. And I mean, even the answer to Villa's defensive midfield problems, Marvellous McCann, but can't get in the squad for an FA Cup game. So shows the embarrassment of riches we've got there.
1: Yeah, I I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I want Western McKinney, but I just don't know where he fits in this team right now. Um, the only thing I can really think of is. You know, if Sanson does get and, and again, like I, I echo Dan Simon, I don't think January is the time to be doing this. Um, if it is gonna be some some like, you know, absolute retooling of the squad, like you you may as well I do think he's gonna bring one or two Players in. Obviously, we're going to get a left-back uh, squad depth. I wouldn't be surprised to see him with a striker. I, I'm not sure, sir, about the wide players. As Dan said, I, I think that he has the trust in either Buendio or Bailey to try to, like, if they're not necessarily starting wide and being, like, landlocked to wide positions, but he knows that they can kind of get around wide to, you know, play inside a little bit more. Um, I just... I I hope it's something where it's like who who is this guy where did he find this guy from the third Tier of slovenian football and like, you know, like I I want one of those man Like I want one like give me someone who's got a little bit of like a dirt under their fingernails who isn't afraid to You know be I, I don't know. It's weird Like we were talking about it earlier and everything but it just feels like there's no bite in this team It's all flash and no thunder and I, I just I, I don't think you can be a successful Premier League team in terms of where Aston Villa want to go. And I'm not saying first, second, third, but at least like creeping maybe into Europa conference or getting into Europa league. That's a major, major thing. You don't need to go out and spend a lot of cash to do that. I mean, uh, you know, Dan said it again, like with like different recruiting terms of like, like you see how Brentford has recruited even over the past, like five to eight years. Like they're not afraid to, you know, do their due diligence and bring players in from, you know, Norwegian leagues or things like that. And it seems like Villa's always trying to, you know, they're trying to, shop at the top tier place like you, you can find a bargain at walmart guys you don't need to you know you know you don't need to go to Saks on fifth ave uh, every time you know you can you can find a bargain it, it gets the job done you know but um yeah I, it's going to be an interesting january i do think he brings players in but i don't know if it's going to be a, a big big shake up i don't think he wants to i, I think he's relying on a, a few players for the right now that he's not going to have to worry about relying on come the start of the next season
2: so, just a the question then. Obviously, he said that he wanted this winger. So, how does that fit with the system that we've seen so far from Emery, playing the the kind of narrow four in midfield? How does that work?
0: He's in my mind. He he doesn't always play the narrow four. When he was at Villarreal, he had different players for different things. So he'd, he'd have wide players who stayed wide for certain matches, whereas at other times he'd have wide players who come inside. He He's a manager that I think you'll like Andy, because he, he picks players to win a certain game. And so he wants not just the same kind of player, like we've got at the moment, a lot of technical narrow players. He wants width. He wants someone who can play more direct. He probably even wants an old school target man in there who can hold the ball up. He, he's a manager who likes different tools in his arsenal and I think that's what Villa criminally lacked. Deliberately so, because Gerard wanted a narrow team with flying fullbacks. We don't have wingers, and I think he needs a winger in just to mix things up a little bit and because we are too narrow at the moment with the the wide players coming in. That'll work against certain teams, but but not against the Stevenage, as we saw. Uh, yeah, I and I think he I think he wants a winger who proper chalk on his boots winger just as a different option against certain teams. But like with any Emory signing, they've got to be smart enough to play multiple positions and in multiple ways. I mean, look what he did at Villarreal with, with Dan Juma, who was a, a pacey winger that he turned into a top striker, but could also play wide for him. And I think that's probably a kind of profile player he's going to be looking at for us.
2: Yeah. I was wondering about Dan Juma myself. I think he's got quite a high release clause, hasn't he? Um, which might be a bit prohibitive for the place we're at. And we don't really want to be speculating on players at that kind of, you know, 50, 60 million pounds in January, I don't think, unless they are sure things. And I'm sure he's been through the Premier League before and out the other side, hasn't he? So He um, was a
0: baggy, wasn't he? Was no, it was not baggy. He was Bournemouth, I believe.
2: Bournemouth, yeah. Yeah. that yeah. was it, so, yeah. Um, you know, Um he might he may be better this time, <laughs> I'm sure he would be, but you know we'll we'll have to see i mean i'm i'm you know i'm always keen to see new players, but I want them to be i want them to be a bit more interesting on this occasion And um you know there's always a there's always a free song of anxiety whenever we make a big signing um you know because of the amount of times it just hasn't worked out at this club over every all the decades that we've that we've been following the team so um you know it's 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 not a new thing but um yeah so on obviously... the um
0: sorry for jumping in on the harry maguire front obviously not happening it's hilarious and why you shouldn't trust social media in this day and age but the thing that i found most staggering about that is the amount of villa fans who said they didn't want england captain harry maguire at their club as if it wouldn't be an upgrade on what we have and i'm not harry maguire's biggest fan but the guy led England to a semi-finals of a world cup quarterfinals of a world cup and a final of the European championships. He's a good defender who would make our defense better. And I just found it hilarious. It's a classic Villa thing that whoever gets linked with us, isn't good enough. Um, that, that we would not want a player of his caliber coming into the club. I mean, he's obviously not, he was playing around the golf and, and just happened to stop for, for lunch. But, um, yeah, I, I just found it hilarious that Villa fans did not want him at the club. It, it's it's baffling to me.
1: No, I mean, me too. I mean, I'm I, no, no disrespect. Like again, I love anybody that pulls on the, the Villa shirt, but like. You, you wake up at a, a crazy late hour of the day. If you think that Esri Konsa or Callum Chambers is better than Harry McGuire, like he, <laughs> he, the man's under a, a microscope all the time. Every single error that he's made since pulling on a United shirt has been, you know, blown up and put on a billboard somewhere in the greater Manchester area. Um, it, it I yeah, it, it, even if he would, it's not going to happen. He's not coming to the villa. But again, like yeah, I agree with them. Like some of the crap you saw out there like, "Oh, you know, Tyron Mings is better like no, I would like to play Tyron Mings and Harry Maguire together in my perfect fantasy world of money's not an issue and we have prestige out, you know, <laughs> out of our ears."
2: Yeah, I I think I think my my skepticism was more about the club saddling themselves with another, you know, nearly 30 something player on a four or five year contract on right. potentially yeah. on two 200 grand a week. Plus yeah. um, I, I would, I would not be keen on that, but in terms of quality, if you could get him for a reasonable price on decent wages, you know, then, then, then fine. But yeah, I mean, it's, it was a little bit pie in the sky, but yeah, like you say, it's um, of course, you know, he would be, he would have been a, a, you know, a good signing, but probably not the sort that we need at this at this point really, in terms of you know, in terms of the, the contracts the contract stuff I would have, I would have said more than anything. Yeah, that would have um, been
1: way out of left field and way uncharacteristic of some of the moves Villa's pulled over the last two years. That would have been strange Strange beyond it would have been Twilight Zone stuff. I, again, I wouldn't have been upset about it. I mean, but Andy's right; I feel it would have had a, a, a financial implication on the club that we none of us would have thought about it until we're like, oh yeah, now we have a thirty-four-year-old Harry Maguire picking up two two hundred and ten thousand a week, and you know he he can't run fifteen yards.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: it's also not the way the club's done business, is it? Like all transfers from Villa these days seem to be very closely guarded until they're basically happening. So. So don't believe what you read on social media unless it's Andy who's spotted a player in M&S Food Hall, or something, <laughs> in which case you can believe the rumor. But anyone else, don't listen to them.
2: Those are usually current Villa Villa players, World <laughs> Cup winners. Um, yeah, well, let's see. Could be a good, could be a, an interesting two or three weeks now as we as we go through the transfer window. But of course, we have the the small matter of um, trying to. Um, trying to recover from, from Sunday's humiliation um, as Leeds visit on Friday night, Friday night lights. Um, and it's up to Emery now to stop the rot and and, and, and get the home crowd back, back on side um, after a difficult few days. Of course, Leeds under Jesse Marsh have proved to be like the ultimate basketball team really this season, wildly entertaining at both ends of the field with young, exciting talent. He seemed to be really playing for their manager, um, really dug him out of a hole earlier in the season when he really needed wins to to keep his job, and they got them. Um, Dendonka, I think, will be suspended. McGinn is obviously out for, for I think, around four weeks. Augustinson um, is out too, um, and we're obviously unsure whether Moreno will be available at this stage. Um, Ramsey should be back, I would have thought, in contention to start. Um, But this has suddenly become a more vital game, um, if not for the points, then certainly for the vibes after the most humiliating defeat in the modern era of the club, possibly. So how does Emery approach this um, to ensure we don't enter a a bit of a mini-crisis? I think
0: uh, I'm struggling to name 11 fit players who actually play for us. It feels like one of those at the moment. But I think Ramsey coming back is huge for us. What I was saying earlier on about having players who do different things, who are a bit more direct, we saw in, in the United game especially that Ramsey has a big role to play in this Emery side. And, and I feel quite bullish about our chances against Leeds. I think they're a good team to go up against at Villa Park, and, and we've had their number before. Um, I think Emery will be wanting to set the record straight and and I wouldn't be surprised to see the odd left field choice I've got sneaking suspicion we might see a little bit of Caden uh, Caden Young is it who's been training with the team and and Emery kind of hinted that he was thinking about him for the Stevenage game but decided not to play him and I think did the right thing on in hindsight not doing that but I'd fancy him against Leeds and it's the kind of move I could see Emery making as a reaction to the weekend but but I'm, I'm actually, I think this game comes at a good time for Villa being as soon as it is on Friday. And I think it's a good team to play under the lights at, at Villa Park. And I'd fancy us to win it. And as far as predictions for the lineup, pick 11 fit players and stick them on the pitch. Because I'm not sure there's much of a choice at the moment.
1: Yeah, I can see this game being, being a little cagey. and um, I, The selection is going to be one thing, but I think just the pace of the game is going to be another one. Um, I have Unai Emery's like smart enough to like when he's briefing his players, remind them that Leeds actually haven't won a game of competitive football since uh, November fifth. Um, that's that that's a long time. So it's kind of like the thing of like, all right, guys, you know, like these guys are suffering. They're basically trying to just you know, do new things you know under Jesse Marsh because he has a he has the ability to crumple up his paper, throw it in the bin. Do something else, then go back to the bin to get, you know, the the first thing he wanted to do, and try that again, and it confuses players. That's his M.O. He did it at previous clubs. He's doing it at Leeds. You can see it. He's playing players out of position, which like that's not that's not a, the biggest deal in the world. He's looking for something a little different. But I would like that like for Aston Villa to capitalize on that. They are the greatest basketball show on a soccer pitch. I, I <laughs> <laughs> like they they are like they're they try to play the game like an American would. Like they're the Harlem Globetrotters. That's what they try to do. That's what they will always try to do. Um, and I think if Villa box clever, they line up the right way with the people that they have available to them. Again, we don't exactly know who that is. I think they will be – Leeds are primed to get beat, and they're probably primed to get beat bad. So, um, you know, Unai Emery probably has jaw problems from clinching his jaw so bad at the Stevenage results. So I'm hoping he's, like, lights a fire under these guys and says, like, you know, not to break out the old adage, but, gentlemen, it's Leeds. And then just walk, just walk <laughs> right out of
2: the room. <laughs> Yeah, I think almost um, approaching it like an away game is is the way forward. Really, like we did with Spurs, just just block everything up, you know, and, and frustrate leads and and take our opportunities when when they inevitably arrive because leads are, are terrible, terrible at the back. A little bit like we did at Elland Road last season. We we comfortably beat them. They looked an absolute car crash, didn't they? Um, Last season, and and at that point, I thought they were definitely going down. But you know, he did manage to save them. He's he's a manager I like. I'm 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 pretty fond of him. I think I think he's really added something to the Premier League, and not just in terms of you know being being a bit a bit unique. I mean, being a good manager. I think he's he's brought some ideas. He's, mm. And Leeds is the perfect place to, in a way, to to use those ideas because he's got. A really young squad that are willing to run for him all day so you know don't, I, I, Andy
1: don't don't say it too loudly but he's using a lot of stuff that a lot of coaches have used in the MLS that's the right. kind of stuff that he's bringing over to, to the game in England and a lot of people think that it's like what's he doing why is he doing that like he'll, he'll change tactics three or four times in a game if you actually watch it like I've done a lot of research on Jesse Marsh because I wanted him to come to Villa a few years ago um and like there's a lot of master classes on youtube and stuff like how he talks about the game and it may seem like it's coming off his very layman's term but the guy is really really intelligent but like i said his one drawback is he has a plan discards his plan moves on to something else and then goes holy crap i can't believe that like i know how we can make that better let's go back to the first plan which again <laughs> is very american but sorry sorry to cut yeah. you off
2: no, that's fine. I mean, it's good insight, and uh, you know, he's he's someone I, I really hope he he sticks around, and and I hope he do, I hope he does sort of, you know, start to start to get a tune out of Leeds in a way after Friday, um, but yeah, he's 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 certainly been a breath of fresh air, I think, in the Premier League, and you know, you know, it's good it's good that he's managed to to, to hang on to his job, um, but yeah, I think just 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 make just make the game boring, make it short, and you know and uh you know take take your chances i think that's the way the way forward for villa um this 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 friday so we we'll, we we'll, we we'll, but we'll see how it goes i'm uh, i'm cautiously optimistic um that we'll uh, that we'll see a, a big reaction from the players in particular on um on friday night so so let's hope so and if we are going if you are going to the game, maybe try and make some noise and cheer them on. That might be um, that might be a, a good idea. Um, but guys, do you want to do you want to give me a, a quick prediction for this for this one, Dan? First, I
0: think this will be as comfortable a victory as we get. I think it's a, a prime memory game, but a fun one because I can't watch it, so it's guaranteed to be a good game. So I reckon two nil Villa.
1: Mm, I'm gonna go one one draw. I don't know. I just think that it's going to be. Uh, I think it's it's going to be a lot more frustration for for Villa supporters to watch. I think Leeds are going to play insanely hard, like they always do, and they're going to expose some of the players that we have that maybe their battery starts to run out around the sixty fifth to seventy second minute, and they might jump on and grab a late equalizer or something. So now I got to put the bet on. I just convinced myself it's going to happen. Now I got to put a bet on. Thanks, guys. <laughs>
2: Well, I think I'm going to go I'm going to go, go for a high-scoring game again because it's Leeds, so I'm going to go for 3-2. Um, one better than we managed at, at home last season, which was 3-3, which which you were there for, Dan, if I remember right. I know,
0: yeah, from what I can remember of that game, Andy. We'd had quite quite a day of it, and uh, <laughs> it was a good game last year, but it showed how not to play Leeds, and yeah. that we went went up against them and carried on throwing men forwards, so hopefully Emery's watched the tape of that.
2: Yeah, yeah, and we'll... We'll see how it goes, but but thanks for joining me today, guys. Great to great to see you both. Great to have you back on as well, Mark. It's been way too long. Um, so uh, we'll look forward to hearing more from you um, uh, in the future. So uh, great to see you, um, and great to everyone. Uh, thanks to everyone for for listening this week. Um, if you are going to Leeds, have a have a a great a great evening I'll be there as well um, and let's hope we get the weekend off to off to a good start this time. Um, I think there's a there's a couple of articles possibly coming to the website fairly soon. So check out underagaslitlamp.com um, if you can and obviously if you're following us on, on on the socials on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram you'll get the uh, first notifications of, of anything new on the website and of course the podcast every week as well. Um, but thanks for all your support as always stay safe and up the villa